Hey there, everyone, and welcome to the Gap Year podcast. My name is Michelle Dittmer, and I am your host and Gap Year expert. Today, we are coming at you with an incredible guest who has more life experience crammed into his life than anybody three times his age. Um, But we are going to unpack all of that. So I would like to welcome Adam to the show today. Welcome, Adam. Hey, Michelle. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. I um, I didn't want to give away all of the details because I love it when the guests get to introduce themselves and tell us their backstory because nobody knows you better than you. So instead of me rhyming off a bio, I'm going to invite you to share a little bit about who is Adam? What is Adam all about? Um, and give our audience a sense of where this conversation might be coming from. Sure. Well, this story, I'll keep it concise. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, family ancestry work recently through some of the the, the work I've been doing um, on the Hawaiian Islands. Um, yeah, so the story starts in 70 AD um, when my... and we're starting yeah. back then. Okay. Well, well, we'll go. We'll go pretty quick. But my, uh, <laughs> my 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 mother's family was um, was living um, in the Middle East, and um, after some war and turmoil, um, took a ship, and the ship crashed on the coast of Albania, and they ended up in Greece, um, in what is now Greece. Um, and that started, um, you know, about a thousand years of, of like my family um, being in motion and moving um, throughout the world and coalescing in different places. And so um, I definitely grew up. My mother's from Greece. Um, I was born in Boston, Massachusetts, um, and definitely grew up uh, having sort of a, a foot in, in, in two different worlds. Um, my my grandmother didn't speak English, so grew up in a, in, in a multicultural household um, and I think my it really impacted my idea of of, of what's of what's sort of normal and in, in the way that life um, can be experienced and the richness that can exist in um, um, in this world um, and it really set me off on a on a path of of discovery um, you know from a young age I spent a lot of summers um, as a young kid visiting family um, in Greece. Um, and by the time I was in college, it was, you know, the sort of the tone was set to continue exploring and discovering about myself and the world and um, how I can how I can best contribute. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, we can talk about some more of the details later, but I'm so thrilled to be here. Um, I've worked in experiential education since 1996. Dick, starting as a camp counselor in high school. So what's that? 17? No, that's more than that. 27 years yeah, or don't date something like there. that. <laughs> yeah, well, who cares? Um, and yeah, really grateful to be um, working with uh, Carpe Diem Education and Global Roots at this incredible intersection of of education, uh, travel, and uh, and transformation. Um, and so, yeah, it's like to be here today. Yeah, you're speaking my language. Um, and I love when you talk about... Uh, discovering more about yourself and the world and how you contribute. And when I talk about gap years, I say that's really central to what the definition of a gap year could be, Um, is not only the travel component or learning about the world, but there's this beautiful experience that happens in discovering yourself in conjunction with the world, but then also finding clarity of like, hey, this is this is where my interests and my skills align with other things that are out there. And this is how I want to show up. This is how I want to share my gifts with the world. 
Um, and I think that that's such a beautiful learning that all culminates together mm. with within the experiential learning space and something that can't be recreated in a classroom at all. Um, so I'm so grateful that you're here sharing your story and that organizations like Carpe Diem and Global Roots exist to, to facilitate that because a lot of people maybe don't have that, um, that global experience that you had as a kid and they need some support or they're anxious or nervous about stepping outside of their local community. And so having those resources there and having experts like you and the folks at CanGap to, to help navigate those discoveries, uh, I think is, is just so, so needed and so powerful at, at this moment right now. Um, so I'm grateful mm -hmm. to you for being here is what I'm saying. Oh, it was great to be here. I love love talking about these things. And if, if there's if it inspires anybody to, to sort of get out of the narrow pathway and, and open their eyes a little bit, that's a that's a gigantic win. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Um, so why do you think that experiential learning um, and travel and gap years is so critical at this point? We're kind of some would say post-pandemic, some would say at a new evolution of the pandemic, but we've gone through kind of three intense years um, with lockdowns and all of these things, and we're emerging into a new chapter of humanity. So why is it so critical right now for young people right now to experience this? And, and where do you think it, that can take individuals? Yeah, that's... Um, I. I mean, the reality is I, I don't think that experiential learning has ever been more important. Um, whatever we want to call 2023 as it relates to the pandemic, you know, aside, um, young people, people that especially people that were in middle school or high school or even elementary school over the last few years um, have have had to navigate some huge developmental hurdles. Um there was a podcast I listened to recently called Offshore Learning, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with that one. I'm um, adding it to my list right now. Cool. It's it's really cool. And I can't remember, the, I think his name is Chris Baum. I might be pronouncing his last name wrong, but the way that he articulates what is happening during adolescence, um, you know, we think so much of adolescence as being like, you know, the squeaky voice and the physical changes that are the happening. <laughs> exactly. But really what's happening is young people are learning how to intersect with the world outside of the relationship with their parents. Um, and a lot of young people lost that opportunity and are, are, are like have major catching up to do. Um, and that, that kind of learning and that kind of growth, it's not, it may be in some super dreamy alternative learning environments, but it's really not possible um, in, in like our typical um, school atmosphere. Um, things are so geared towards like productivity um, and living up to somebody else's standard. There really is not much room for um, exploring passions and, and feeling lit up. Um, and so I think experiential learning, um, especially immersive experiential learning. And, and, and when I say immersive, I mean um, programming that has a container that's that's intentionally built by the facilitators and the participants um, is so valuable because it creates safe space for students. Um, there's a, such a huge distinction between um, what happens in school is students are, are fitting in. 
Um, what happens on um, when when done and, and facilitated skillfully on an experiential learning program um, is students um, get to experience the sense of belonging, which many students have never experienced uh, before. Some experience it when they go to summer camp and they feel like they can really be held, you know, for their true self and their true interests. Um, but that typically doesn't happen in school environments. Schools are very, <laughs> I like to joke, like very Lord of the Flies. You know, there's nobody that's supporting, you know, school and community dynamics in, in a way that's essential um, at this age group. Um, and so I think experiential learning, it's so important for students, especially right now, they've Students have lost out on the opportunity to gain those critical life skills um, and these types of experiences um, offer like guided um, opportunities where that learning is scaffolded. And so students can continue to um, take a step further, take a step further, take a step further with support um, and be able to actually discover like what lights them up in this, uh, up in this world? What are they passionate about when they eventually do go on to, to higher education? And most students that take a gap year um, do that and do that quite successfully they're actually able to choose courses of study that they're interested in because they've experienced real world applications of those content areas, um, as opposed to, you know, you know, a, a lot of people go to college because they, you know, and they just maximize the highest in, in calculus. Therefore I'm going the to be an engineer. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. That they, they're told what to do. Yeah. Based, you know, based on what they, you know, they're, basically what like our, our society like values and cultures as opposed to what um and it's such a privilege to live in a, a in a signing culture we actually have some choice over what we do most people in the world will, will never have that option so if we do have it um to not explore that i think is a gigantic loss so um it's this time in, in particular so important you know when i see students applications come in these days i typically like i'm subtracting three from their their age to really like understand um like where they might be like developmentally and emotionally and that's okay it just means we're we're constructing experience that's going to be a little bit more in line with with what they're able to receive yeah and i and i love the the, the idea that you talked about with scaffolding um and helping people to grow because so many people have this desire to backpack Europe on their own and to have these transformative experiences and you're like well wait like the only travel you've done has been to an all-inclusive with mom and dad um mm -hmm. and and there is so much skill that needs to happen for you to be comfortable and to make the most of those experiences and that's what those those structured programs and those facilitators are are there for is to help folks to feel comfortable it helps it helps not only the participant but it also helps the parents to feel comfortable with their young person knowing that they have this skill gap and often parents are looking saying my kid is is not ready for university but like let's send them halfway around the world no mm -hmm. like let's let's give them that opportunity to feel a sense of belonging to find passions because that's the other mm -hmm. comment i'm hearing my kid just has lost the spark. So let's give them an environment that is supportive of them, um, is going to help them find community, find something that is different and exciting for them, give them that sense of fun, excitement, adventure, while developing skills that they don't even know that they could develop on these experiences and build up the skills and confidence to be able to have other experiences, whether that's moving into residence at university, 
or starting your own business. All of those things, the, the skills that come through travel and experiential learning are so transferable that it's it's really foundational skills that are being developed and supported by a facilitator, then taking it to that more independent level can be so beautiful and elevate the experience that happens. Oh, so, so well, well said. I think that's, you know, something that I think about like all the time when I'm, um, like when I'm interviewing students, um, I like to ask them like, okay, if you had, um, a, you know, your a group of 12 over to your house for dinner, like, what are you going to make? Most 17, 18 year olds have never cooked a meal, you know, and I, I work really closely um, in the past with um, amazing um, adolescent um, developmental psychologist um, and a term that I remember her using was not um, helicopter parents, but snowplow parents and that um, it's like parents are coming in at any time there's an issue, whether it's at school. This happens even in college, like the amount of uh, I have professor like university professor friends who are hearing from their students, parents that are complaining about this or that um, like students don't they don't have the opportunity to solve problems, especially interesting problems, which means they like just when they get to a college campus and they need to change classes or the dining halls closed and they need to figure out how to feed themselves. Like they're just, that resilience isn't there. Those, those sort of like street smarts aren't there. Um, and it's, it's so interesting because it, you know, I grew up, um, I grew up like pretty feral, you know, I grew up in suburbs <laughs> in Massachusetts. Like I would, you know, I'd leave home in the morning. I'd be riding bikes with my friends. I'd be climbing trees in the woods and like all these things. And Sometimes I got hurt and <laughs> there were consequences that I had to wear a cast or it was painful. But right now, like young people are just protected um, from those things to the extent that they actually don't get, they, they don't get to make mistakes that are, are where the, you know, the real learning is. Yeah. And I think that, that that's not um, anybody's fault. That's just like the shift in society. So, mm -hmm. so if parents are feeling like, oh dear, I am a snowplow parent, um, that's that's the way that society has told you that you should be parenting because we want what's best for our kids. Therefore, we should make their lives easier. Um, and in fact, that's what we're seeing now is that it's having the opposite effect. So going in with all best intentions, giving your kid the best experience, um, giving them, um, making sure that they are having all the opportunities without any of the struggles. Um, uh, there was actually just an article published, I think it was Psychology Today, around parents actually getting a dopamine hit when they solve a problem for their kid because mm -hmm. it feels good I'm helping my kid I'm helping my kid so we're getting this chemical reinforcement that we should be helping our kid um and and it feels good and it gives us those warm fuzzies and oh I should do that again I should do that again and we're actually depriving them of those opportunities to solve the problems but in society right now, we 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 solve the problems for our kids and then we launch them and are like, what's wrong? Why can't you why can't you survive? <laughs> um, and it's and it's that 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 those missing skills that are there, not anybody's fault, but now is our time to say, okay, these are the missing skills. Now, how can I support my young person in acquiring and practicing those skills? And the answer is not continue to be a snowplow parent. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm so glad that you named that, like for all the uh, parents that are out there and that all you care about is like the well-being and the growth and the happiness of the young people in your life. Um, you know, our society, it's just the median has moved 
to, to the much more like, uh, yeah, the median has moved like quite a bit in terms of like what is like normal and safe for, you know, for young people to experience. And part of that is that we, to a large extent, we do live in like a culture of fear. If you turn on the news, it's going to be 99, you know, terrifying stories, you know, for every, you know, story of delight. Um, but, you, you know, I think the way that you described, yeah, the fact that like, yes, yeah, the parents are are thinking like, how can we, you know, <laughs> maximize like my kid's happiness and, and growth and minimize suffering. Um, it always makes me think of um, the poem um, of Joy and Sorrow by Khalil Gibran. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the prophet. I'm going to read like two lines that like Please changed do. my life. I like early 20s. I read this. Um, yeah, it's uh, your joy is your sorrow unmasked and the self-same well from which your laughter rises was also oftentimes filled with your tears. The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. It's not the cup that holds your wine, the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven. Um, so basically this idea that students, they need bumps. to, yeah, like the <laughs> happiness doesn't feel happy unless unless there's a, a, a like a spectrum that you've experienced. I mean, sometimes it takes um, like traveling to other places to come back and just have like my mind blown on how fortunate I am to live there. Um, and so uh, students are, are sort of like young people are being robbed of experiencing like the totality of, of life in some ways. Um, and, and it's something that when I think about program design um, and, you know, programs are like our programs are supposed to be challenging. Um, like they're definitely like really fun, but you know, there's a lot of type two fun in there. Like the, the real joy and the real fun comes from navigating um, things that are challenging. It can be like a big hike. It can be um, disagreements and conflict in the group um, where you need to find consensus. Like there's that those are where like the real moments of like deep joy and deep uh, appreciation um, spring from. And I, my, my, my sense is that young people aren't having access to that. And if they are, they're not, they don't have any support in navigating those from mentors that they trust. Teachers aren't playing that role. Young people are are probably a little bit less likely to talk to their parents about, you know, um, friendship and relationship challenges that they're experiencing. Um, But in a, in a really safe group container setting with really skilled facilitators, there's space for those things to come out and feel supported. Mm -hmm. And those senses of accomplishment too, like, hey, I did this. Um, I, I navigated this challenge, was it, whether it was interpersonal or physical or um, even navigating complex emotions that can be overwhelming. Um, that that confidence, that's where it comes from, is is overcoming those things and um, and and being able to do that. So when when parents come to me and say my kid is not confident, they need a confidence boost. Like then they need to do some hard things. They need to they need to get out there and they need to get out of their comfort zone, step into that challenge zone, and and that's where the growth happens. Um, and I think that there is. I just did a podcast on on how fear is ruining your your kid's life because they they have this internalized sense of fear of failure and rejection that they are paralyzed in taking action. Um, And so as a parent um, and as a young person, getting to that stage where they are comfortable to take action, to sign up for a program, to book a plane ticket, to take that first 
step um, takes a lot of a lot of courage and a lot of support. Um, but once that 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 first step has happened, once you are sitting on that plane, you 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 may feel a little overwhelmed in the moment, but the second that you realize what you have done, it, it just opens up a whole new layer to that individual and opens up potential of themselves in the world. And like, I want to hop on a plane right now. <laughs> I'm giving myself a pep talk here. Like, sign me up. Um, but I think like podcast over. I'm out of here. Yeah. See ya. Um, <laughs> but but I think that that is one of the biggest gifts we can give our young person right now is the encouragement to get out of the comfort zone and not let the fear be the driver of every decision that's made. Like I think so much about like especially in terms of like what's humans, but especially like students are feeling, you know, like we, we have this, we have, all right, like start this over a little bit. Like I love swimming in really cold water, which a lot of people think is weird, but I love it because it's super intense. And it's this really interesting way to be like, I'm experiencing these super intense sensations. And like, my brain is trying to say it's intense and it's bad versus it's just like intense and I'm feeling a lot. And I think it's that, you know, I think in our, our society, like there's so much that's like pointed at like, it's like everyone should be feeling like happy. And if you're not feeling happy, if you're anywhere else on the circle, even if you're just like on the edge of the circle, it's not like a good thing. And, you know, when you, when I hear you talking about like jumping on that flight or signing up for a program, it's that, that feeling of being at the edge of the diving before, you know, the edge of the diving yeah. board, you know, and those butterflies, like it feels scary and you and like, you're about to step into the unknown, but you also feel the most alive, you know, and my hope for, every high school is that they get to feel that sense of being alive, like those butterflies to be, to, to experience presence. Um, I think for, you know, for young people that like they're trained at such a, um, at such an early age to be, you know, to always be future thinking. Um, and I think that the demands that we put on, on high schoolers in North America, where you might have seven academic classes in the day and then sports, and then all your activities, and then homework in seven classes after that, like there's, the students aren't able to just be present in the moment. There's so much doing and very little being. Um, and I think it's so important for for young people to have that space to, to actually exist in the moment, to feel what they're feeling. Um, and to just have, yeah, just have a, a deeper connection to the, to the world that, you know, around them. Yeah, I am 100% on the same page. Um, and, and space to, to breathe instead of just being on this treadmill of, of go, 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 go. Um, and I think as adults, too, we are also often on that treadmill and we've created this busyness badge of honor um, that is detrimental to us. And then we pass that on to our kids as well of of, well, you need to be thinking about the future. You need to be thinking about the job that's going to make the most money. You need to, you need to, you need to. And these kids just need some space to breathe. And they need some space to be asked the questions that they haven't been asked. Who are you? What is important to you? What are your values? Um, because so many people end up with mental health challenges because they're living a life that doesn't align with their values. Um, and they don't even know what their values are. They just know they're unhappy. 
They know that what they're doing feels wrong to them. And this isn't like, I am going to get a job killing puppies and it's against my values. This is, I am working an office job and I don't know why, but it feels crappy to me. Um, and, and so many of these times it comes up against a value that that person holds that they don't know that they have. And without the time and space and unfortunately, right now, somebody asking those questions, somebody driving that reflection because they haven't been scaffolded with that skill set, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they need somebody to step in and ask those questions so that they know who they are and they can make decisions for their life that align with who they are, not with what their highest grades are, not with what's going to make them the most money, but something that's going to lead a fulfilling life for them. Mm -hmm. And as parents, you want them to be happy, healthy, successful if you're only pushing successful, those other two are going to fall right off the map. And so having that time to do that introspection and to define who you are, and especially after high school, this is a pivotal point, as you were saying, when they are establishing who they are outside of that family unit, this is the time to have those conversations and they shouldn't be necessarily happening with mom and dad because sometimes their values, who they are, is going to be slightly different or vastly different than the, the family values. And so having a safe space to explore their identity is so critical at this time. Um, I'm, I'm going to step off my soapbox and, soapbox and give you a second to respond there. But I really, really believe this. <laughs> Well, I mean, all of this is like resonating for me so hard like, right now. Like I'm I'm visiting my, you know, my parents and then my child at home. And there's just so much that like, you know, there's just so many ghosts like in the house and so many, you know, I'm sitting like where I was doing homework, <laughs> you know, when I was in high school. Um, and, and, and so many of those things hit on point. Like parents at that stage, like at adolescence, like developmentally, like young people, like that whole period is about is about learning and experience the world with people outside of like your little nuclear family. Um, and so like, there's a sense, um, you know, it doesn't happen so much anymore, you know, but sometimes like I'll get, you know, if I'm visiting my like family and my sister's here and like, we turn into like nine and six years old again, you know what I mean? And we're like bickering over something small. Like there's something, I even hear students on um, in some of our high school summer programs, you know, when students are having the, like just the most amazing, like, earth shattering experience. And we have a couple, we're tech free programs, but there's a couple scheduled calls home and, and it just like turns into like a dump truck. You know, it just, everything turns to like, I'm going to dump this on you and this on you and this on you. And like, did this thing come in the mail? You know, it's just, it, it's not, it's not the right environment for that to happen. Um, when you talk about, I mean, I think so much of this is coming up because like I'm in the space that I grew up in and like, I remember um, my, um, like my grandparents are, are Holocaust survivors, you know, from Greece. And so I grew up, like the message I remember growing up was the only thing that matters is your health. Mm -hmm. The only thing that matters is your health. Like health, health is like the only thing that, 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 you know, not the only thing, but like the health is like by far, like the most important thing, like the, the curability to survive and thrive was the message that, that I got all the time. And I, you know, I, I look at, um, I, mean, I don't care about dating myself. You know, I'm, I'm going to be 42 this summer. Um, when I hang out, you know, with sometimes with like friends from high school and college that are the same age, but have been in the grind and doing work that, um, uh, that they're, that is not in alignment with their, their values and their wishes. Like they look and they, 
experienced life at like pretty haggard, you know, yeah. and like, I'm super grateful that I've been able to, to, you know, spend a lot of time outside and to explore and stay in really good shape and cook and eat the things that, you know, I know are nourishing for me. Um, but I think like when you say, yeah, parents want their students to be like happy, healthy, and successful, the idea of, uh, of just of pursuing success from someone else's lens. And so many parents right now are Gen X, Gen X parents of baby boomer, uh, you know, like, yeah, yeah, baby boomer grandparents where it, it like that time, you know, like for baby boomers was, it was a pretty like clear cut, like linear path of success. Yeah. Um, but at that time, like a family, you could work a middle class job and own your home and send your student, you know, kids to college. Like that is not the case anymore. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's an important, I, I, I feel strongly that young people should, should have exposure to, to different ideas and pathways. And especially on like these facilitated programs, they get to work with mentors, uh, program leaders, overseas educators that we call them that have had this like diversity of life experiences and can, um, and, and can mentor them and inspire them of like, what, what do other pathways look like and how might I go in that direction? Yeah. And I think that's really important because when we're coming up through the high school system, we're exposed to like doctor, lawyer, teacher, police officer, firefighter. And, and that's the extent of what we're, what we're exposed to. Um, but even if you take one of those professions, even if you look at doctor, there is so much related to the medical field. You could be a, a naturopath, you could be a chiropractor, you could be a public health worker, yeah. you could be um, a, a, a social service worker or a personal support worker. Like the umbrella is just so huge. And when we get into experiential learning and talking with people from different backgrounds, that's when we get exposure to the other things that are out there and the other things that are possible that we're just never on our radar. Um, speaking of grandparents, my grandfather always said, you don't know what you don't know. And unless you're getting out there and, um, and, and exposing yourself, nobody's going to knock on your door and say, Hey, did you know you could be an X, Y, Z as a career? And Hey, that exactly aligns with what I want to do in my life. You've got to do some seeking out there. And a lot of it comes haphazardly um, through conversations with a friend. Oh, my uncle does this or my my hairdresser's dog's groomer does this. And and that's where we start to get things. So meeting people and having experiences is never a waste. So even if mm -hmm. it is not 100% aligned with exactly what you want to do for your career, because you want to be a pediatric brain surgeon, you're going to get experience that is going to provide you with skills and exposure to things that are going to open up so many doors, no matter where you decide to head in life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it brings up quite like a bunch of things for me. Like one thing I'm thinking about a lot is we, it, it's back to that concept of fitting in versus sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. uh, and like, we're asking uh, for the most people, young people feel pressure to fit into uh, one of many tracks. And especially with, um, at least statistically of recognized, uh, like, uh, learning differences and like neurodiversity, um, it, it, it's ways that people actually aren't celebrated, uh, you know, for their difference. Um, and, you know, that's something that we, um, you know, we really think a lot about is, um, is 
like the idea that that every individual has has their own genius you know and it's how do we help people see that and give them the tools to let that um unfold in in, in the world around them um is is where it's at uh, and there are a couple other reflections I had there, but I, I can't remember them. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've got just so much juicy, juicy stuff in this conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was I was at a, a, a training um, like all of last week. And um, one quote that really hit me was the best lessons are in the margins of where you fail, not in the center of where you succeed. Ooh, deep. Yeah, I love I love love that. And, and same thing we're talking like if you're in a very like linear path, you're you never get to be in the margins. You don't get to be in that gray or you don't get to see what's, you know, what's over that hill or under that tree. And you can also get yourself into an echo chamber, um, which I think we're, is, is causing a lot of challenges right now, politically, um, with social justice issues, that we, we, we can align ourselves with people that are on the exact same track or have the exact same belief system or have the exact same political views. And, and once we surround ourselves with that, that uniform message, it just reverberates and gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then all of a sudden I have to be a pediatric brain neurologist surgeon because everybody's doing it. And it's the best because everybody around me is telling me it's the best. Whereas when we have diversity in, um, in abilities, in skills, in interests, in backgrounds, like that's where we get um, to, to really listen to ourselves and say, hey, like, is that what I think? Or is that just a product of the messages I've been fed? Um, and, and, and that is when we start to see more clearly rather than coming from a family of teachers, everybody's a teacher, everybody should be a teacher, you're going to get your summers off, it's going to be great. And you're like, do I even like, do I like kids? I don't even know. (laughs) I I think like colleges can really be an echo chamber because you've got, especially with like certain colleges that might derive the the majority of their students from a, you know, like a typical pathway. Um, Something I I love about, you know, reflections from, um, you know, and I can only talk about alumni from, from, you know, Carpe Diem gap year programs or global roots um, summer programs is, you know, I write a lot of their college recommendations letters. And so uh, I hear from them about how things are going. And I love, I love when they reflect on like, the other students may like are just there to have fun, you know, but because they were exposed to um, certain social issues or environmental issues or economic issues, like there actually is a little bit more passion, not only for learning, but there's so many amazing opportunities on college campuses. You know, if you if you're really into like, let's say food justice, most college campuses are going to have like food rescue organizations and like mm-hmm. local sustainable ag organizations. And it's those students like to hear that instead of just like, in the echo chamber, like just doing the most fun thing. Um, they're getting up early on, you know, Sunday morning to go, you know, plant vegetables, pick vegetables, you know, work at the local CSA. And so I, I love seeing that ripple effect to help students get a little bit more perspective so they can actually um, like pursue a life that's meaningful to them mm-hmm. as opposed to just doing what like the army of ants is doing. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so let's pivot slightly here. Um, so you've been talking a lot about Carpe Diem and uh, Global Roots, but how are you actually connected? What are you doing with your life these days? Yeah, so that's a great question. So um, um, 
Global Roots and Carpe Diem um, were, were two separate organizations, but actually merged um, in the last year, um, which made a lot of sense. We share, you know, a lot of our uh, a lot of our leaders would lead Carpe Gap semester programs and then lead for Global Roots in the summer. So extremely similar philosophically, and um, yeah, there are a lot of reasons that 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 um, like coming together and uniting those teams made a lot of sense. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm in the executive director of of Carpe Diem and Global Roots, but that really looks like. Um, like, I, I'm the type of person like details, organizational skills, those things are really difficult for me. So like what I really focus in on is, is like sort of big tent picture, like coalition building, partner building um, to be able to, to bring the people together that are passionate about these types of programs and these types of experiences. So I work a little bit more on the external side um, um, and, and love working with uh, our overseas educators, the leaders that are going to be in the field supporting students. So that's, um, yeah, that's what I do these days. But when when you when I asked you um, before the interview started, kind of to tell me a little bit about yourself, you kind of mentioned that like your whole life has been a gap year, um, kind of philosophically. But that can be um, that's a lot a big fear for a lot of parents is that my kid is going to fall off this track and they're going to just become a bum that travels the world and ends up sleeping on benches because they don't they're not making any money um and they've created this picture of what that looks like but it can actually be a strength to have a life that aligns a little bit more with a gap year than with this treadmill of of direction so i was wondering if you could share some anecdotes or some some thoughts around that yeah that's I think my situation is like also unique because like I did, you know, because my grandmother didn't like really speak English and she was a huge part of like my like growing up. And so I, I didn't feel like super American, um, you know, just because like, you know, I got like Mediterranean roots. Like people always ask me like, like, where is your family from? You know, and things like that, which gave me sort of this sense of like otherness from the start mm-hmm. um, that I I thought it was cool, you know. I was like cool with that, and so you know, my whole life felt like a gap year because I was I was used to. My mother was a teacher; she taught for uh, I think thirty five years in the Boston public schools, um, and so yeah, we would travel in the summers, and so I got really used to those sort of like gap summers. Um, and by the time I was in college, and um, I had the opportunity to spend a summer, um, I worked at a um, a law firm doing, um, like pro bono, uh, like working for like pro bono clients in London. And then I bopped around Europe that summer and made all sorts of mistakes that <laughs> I learned so much from. And then I went on the semester at C program, um, the next semester. And then even as an adult, um, I went into teaching. Uh, I took a, a year off after college to travel through Central and South America. It was really important for me to, um, uh, to gain <laughs> some very strong Spanish language skills, um, um, but there, and then I taught for a few years and um, took a, a gap year from teaching, which ended up turning into five years. Um, I'd started um, with my uh, partner at the time. Uh, we had started uh, a food literacy education um, nonprofit, like literally out of our backpacks. We wrote the curriculum in the like mountain huts and the Himalayas and Nepal. Um, and we started leading these food literacy um, programs all over Asia and Eastern and Southern Africa. Um, and and it was through that that experience um, in leading that organization um, that I learned how to run an organization, how to do accounting, the legal stuff, um, you know, like all of those like entrepreneurial skills that that have 
that have been critical in navigating, um, you know, like the next phase of life. Uh, and also, you know, taught me the uh, importance of of dreaming and putting your ideas into reality and and like standing at the edge of the diving board and diving in every time and like the water feels great. Um, so I don't think that, I, I think my situation is unique that I felt pretty like untethered mm-hmm. to like our society and culture from, you know, from a younger age. Um, so I think that that I am like a little bit further out there. You know, I, I travel quite a bit. Like I definitely live like a pretty uh, unconventional lifestyle by like our society standards. Um, but at the same time, con- I feel like I contribute greatly to, um, you know, to the growth and, and, and learning and development and transformation of, you know, of young people. Um, so I, I think that, you know, for, for parents that are like worried, like, oh, we're going to do this thing and they're going to get off track. Like statistically, that's definitely not true. I think statistics show that, um, and I might be like, I don't, I'm not going to throw any numbers out, but that students that do a gap year are actually more likely to finish university uh, in four years um, once they go there, because they do have those life skills. They're they're actually interested. They're not just sort of like floating in space. Um, so I think taking a gap year, I think you, you do, if you're a parent listening to this or a student listening to this, like, yeah, you definitely run the risk of your your perspective changing quite a bit and you're in you discovering values that you'd never even heard of before that are deeply important to you. So yeah, it could, it could change your career path. It could change um, like what you, what you value in friendships and relationships. But I, I believe quite strongly that those are all going to be in like a holistic sense for, for the positive, for the greater good to um, allow um, young people to live like deeply meaningful and rewarding um uh in lives that are in harmony with with what our planet needs right now amen (laughs) i think i think that is um that is a great spot to wrap up this conversation um and uh thank you so much for joining us today it's been such a pleasure um to find kindred spirits to to share in this conversation and uh our sure i'm sure our listeners will take a lot away um but if they wanted to find out more about um carpe diem and global roots where can they find that information you know, so the internet's a great place for that. Um, I've, heard, I've heard a DMs. thing or two about yeah, that. Yeah, I've heard about that. Um, so carpediumeducation.org or global roots. Roots is spelled like routes, R-O-U-T-E-S dot O-R-G. Um, a great starting place can also be social media. Look up Carpe Diem Education. It's Carpe Gap Year or Global Roots. Um, and that's, I think, for young people, like seeing the story told in like bite-sized pieces might be really nice. Parents might appreciate the the websites more, but um Myself or anyone on our team, so happy, like whether this is something you're looking for specifically or just trying to like gain a better understanding of like what this looks like, we're, we're so happy to have those conversations and to support you and guide you in that process. Awesome. Well, go check out those websites and those social medias, and we will link to all of them in the show notes. So we will catch you in our next episode. Thanks for joining. 